Hello and welcome to our first online service of 2023. It's my privilege to bring in the new year with the first service on the first Sunday of the year, on the first day of the year. Next Friday, the 6th of January, is of course the 12th day of Christmas, the day when we traditionally take down all our uh, Christmas decorations. And it's known in the Christian church as epiphany, the word meaning revelation or being revealed. And for many, many centuries, epiphany has been celebrated as remembering times when Jesus was revealed to the world. Uh, Traditionally, they used to think about his baptism when he was officially revealed as the Lamb of God. They used to think about the first miracle in Cana of Galilee when he revealed himself to his disciples and to his mother in, in his full power. And more immediately related to Christmas, of course, was when he was brought to the temple on the sixth day after his birth and the prophetess Anna talked about him. But the one that sticks in our mind most, although it's a bit more of a later edition, is the story of the three wise men or the Magi who came from the East. And they're traditionally celebrated on the 6th of January. In fact, in many parts of Europe, the 6th of January really is Christmas. In Ukraine, for example, that's when gifts are given and that's when the celebrations take place. The Magi brought their gifts to Jesus. It's a good day to bring our gifts to uh, one another, as well as maybe bringing gifts to God. So we're going to be thinking about Epiphany today. We're going to be singing songs which are related to Christmas and related particularly to the wise men. And we're going to think about who they were and what their significance was in the whole story. So we begin with a great hymn by Charles Wesley which doesn't very often get sung at Christmas but really is a Christmas hymn let earth and heaven combine
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the goodwill which it does bring about in so many people. We thank you for the examples we hear about of people, Christians and not Christians, who use this as a time to remember others. We think of the sandwich shop in Ellesmere Port who just went on Facebook and said, if anyone wants a free Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve, no questions asked, just send me your address. And committed himself to feeding those who would have had very little on that day. Lord, thank you for the kindness that engulfs us around this time. And thank you that that is just another mark of your spirit, another mark of your presence, whether within the church or outside the church. Men and women of goodwill who express that goodwill in positive ways. And Lord, we do pray that that spirit will fill us now as we worship you and as we listen to your truth and during the coming year as we seek to express that truth through our actions, through our words, through our entire behaviour. Lord, we want to be followers of the Christ child. We want to be seekers, just as these wise men were seekers. And Lord, we really want to find you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first reading is from Psalm 72. It's an appropriate reading because of the references you'll catch to people from the East and people from all around the world gathering together to recognise God. Psalm 72. This psalm is entitled A Prayer for Guidance and Support for the King and is written by Solomon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to a king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the needy and crush the oppressor. May he live while the sun endures as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may righteousness flourish and peace abound until the moon is no more. May the kings of Tarshish and of the isles render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him and all nations give him service. For he delivers the needy when they call, the poor and those who have no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Solomon was asking God that this is the kind of king he would be. And of course, prophetically, though he may not have known it, he was embodying exactly the kind of characteristics and mission 
that great David's greatest son would bring to the earth in the person of Jesus Christ. We're going to listen to a couple of medieval folk carols sung as they would have been done in medieval times by a band led by the amazing folk singer Maddie Pryor. This first one is Rejoice and Be Merry. Hope you enjoy listening to it. Rejoice and be from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, The Visit of the Wise Men. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For he observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
when they saw that the star had stopped. They were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. And of course the story continues, as we'll see later on. Here's a fantastic song, Carol, We Three Kings, because we don't know there were three, we don't know they were kings, but this song just sums up the truth that lies behind the gifts of gold, frankincense and mare and the visit of these wise men. I hope you enjoy this version of that great carol.
perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone cold tomb. So, as we said, they were not kings. We don't know how many they were. We don't know their names. We don't know exactly where they came from. We don't know where Joseph, Mary and Jesus were when they visited. And we don't know exactly when they came. So there's actually quite a lot we don't know about these sundry wise men. We do know they didn't come to the stable. Matthew says they came to the place where the star indicated and entered the house, not the stable. We know it wasn't very soon after the birth. I mean, when Jesus was taken to the temple to be circumcised eight days after his birth, Mary offered a sacrifice of a dove. The law said that was only for people who couldn't afford a lamb. So the implication is that Mary didn't actually have a box of gold at that point. And then Herod ordered the death of all boys under two years of age, according to the time that the wise men had given him for the birth, the time when the star appeared. However cruel and over-the-top he might have been, he seems not to be focused on a newborn baby, but on a, a small child, a toddler. While we're at it, we should notice that the there were no angels at the stable either and no star above it that was for the wise men not the shepherds so really our christmas cards uh, don't have an awful lot about them which is actually true but there is a truth in them nonetheless because in a kind of a medieval medieval form they pull together the significant events and paint them all in one place and that's that's okay 
It goes back to the medieval and renaissance art where a single picture was used to tell a whole series of events in the way we'd use a comic strip or a movie today. And it does give us that single image that helps us to see the significance of all the elements of the story. So what about the wise men? Where were they from? Who were they? And why are they an important part of the story? Well, they were wise men from the East. One of my favourite authors, I've read a lot of his books, is a guy called William Dalrymple. He ended up settling in India and writing lots of fascinating books about Indian history, about the East India Company, about the extremely wealthy Rajas. And his first book, when he just left Oxford University, written as a young, uh, early 20s man, he travelled along the Silk Road from Jerusalem uh, all the way into China. And on the way, passing through part of what is now Iran, through Persia, he came across uh, a dusty kind of small village where there were three great tombs. And on inquiring about it, he was told without any doubt that these were the tombs of the wise men who had visited Jesus. So there's, there's quite a strong independent tradition that's lasted in the country that they apparently came from. Now we read that they studied the stars, so we'd assume them to be astrologers. At that time, the distinction between astrology and astronomy wouldn't have existed. It's suggested that they may have been Zoroastrians. That's a tradition that Dalrymple heard. And the Zoroastrians, their religion uh, was a Persian religion. Still, still going today, we had friends in India when we lived there who were Zoroastrian, who maintained the traditions that had first arisen in Persia. Whoever they were, the birth of a child in Judea would not have been a complete surprise to them. If you look back in the Old Testament, you'll remember that Israel was carried into exile and very many thousands were taken and settled in Persia. And there were Jewish people in Persia. Still today, there is something of a Jewish population. But certainly at that time, there would still be a Jewish population. And no doubt any wise men would have been very keen to learn from the wisdom of the Jews. And they were clearly expecting a Messiah. A number of contemporary writers, writers from the time who weren't Christians, record the fact that there was an expectation, a rising expectation of a, the birth of a king in Judea. But there's another fascinating suggestion and it goes back to a very strange story in the book of Numbers. And it's about a man called Balaam. Israel was en route to the promised land, fighting all the way through the land which is now called Jordan. One of the tribes they came across was the Moabites. Having heard of their military successes, the Moabites were afraid. They sent for the help of a man called Balaam. He lived in the area of the Euphrates, Chaldea, or what later, at the time of the birth of Jesus, was Persia. Balaam 
was reputed to have supernatural powers. The Moabites wanted him to curse Israel, but he was unable to pronounce the curses requested by the Moabites. He could only speak what God gave him. And that was a series of blessings on Israel to the annoyance of the Moabites. So who was Balaam? He's described as a magus, a wise man of the Persians. Tradition in Persia has it that he was the founder of a line of magi, wise men. And that 1300 years later, three of them came to visit Jesus. What an interesting connection. Why were they looking for a king in the stars? Well, we usually take it that they were people who generally looked for heavenly signs and interpreted them. But there may have been more to it. They may have been specifically looking for this star. Balaam's last blessing on Israel was in the form of a prophecy. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. You'll find that in Numbers chapter 27. Again, there's a suggestion that this prophecy had been handed down within the community of the Magi and that for centuries they'd been looking for the fulfilment of this oracle from their founder. Now, there's a health warning here. These are traditions, ideas, interpretations. We can't be sure that this is what happened. We can't be certain of that tradition and that connection. But there does seem to be something between Balaam, the powerful magician from Persia, and the Magi who sought out Jesus. Some connection that lasted over 13 centuries in the homeland of Balaam and of the Magi who visited Jesus. Now, why does any of this matter? For me, it connects the dots. The Old Testament is more than just a record of the story of Israel. It's the unfolding story of God's redemption, which climaxes in the life, death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Three chapters are devoted to the strange story of Balaam. How interesting if... That is laying the foundation for part of the story of Jesus. It's also the beginning of the fulfilment of one of the key themes of the Old Testament. That the Lord is God of the Gentiles, not just Israel. God said to Abraham, In your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Matthew quotes Isaiah, Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Gentiles, of course, were the non-Jews. So going back to our image of the nativity, with everyone gathered around there, the wise men have a place in the story because they represent the hope that Christ will reign over all the earth. Their gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh, are for a king, a priest and a sacrifice. So even if the traditional nativity 
pictures may not be historically accurate, they're telling us something significant. Everyone is there for a purpose. Angels, shepherds, wise men from the east. Each tells us something about who this child was and why his birth is the climax of history. The visit of the wise men, of course, precipitated Herod's anger and his massacre of the innocent children surrounding Bethlehem in his attempt to do away with this king who was a threat to him. It's a, a really tragic element within the story that we find it difficult to, to think about. There's a wonderful painting, a pre-Raphaelite painting by Holman Hunt in the Walker Art Gallery. It's a world famous painting and we have it locally. And it's called The Triumph of the Innocents. And you'll see in the picture that those surrounding Jesus and seeing him on his way into exile in Egypt are surrounded by and enclosed in bubbles, indicating there is new life 
that they have entered early, if you like, into their glorious rest. It's not one I find easy to think about or talk about, but the very fact that it's called a triumph kind of brings home to us that all the kinds of disasters and uh, wickedness and injustice in the world, they all have a way under God of being worked out into being something for eternal good, whether we see it now or not. And as we look forward into the new year, we look forward with hope, but we also in many cases look forward with fear and with anxiety. There's a war still going on in Ukraine. There's disturbances in the world around. There's climate disasters increasingly happening. And we're right to be concerned. But we recognise too that God is on his throne. And God is in control. And we need to keep expressing that faith to ourselves. And to know that through wickedness and through injustice, God will work out his purposes. And God will bring about what's described in one of our great carols as the age of gold when there will be a new heaven and a new earth for us to rejoice in and all the tears will be wiped away. So Lord, we bring this to you as our prayer for ourselves and for others as we face this new year. Help us not to be afraid Help us not to be anxious. Help us to empathise with others who have much more reason than ourselves for fear. Help us to bring our anxieties before you this year. And may this be a year where we grow in faith and where we see in faith the hand of God at work in many, many ways. Lord, you were born as a king. We pray that you will reign as a king in our hearts and in our world in these difficult and dark times. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our last carol. As with gladness men of old did the shining star behold just encourages us just as they did to keep coming to Jesus.
and a benediction. O God, your days are without beginning and without end. We dedicate this coming year to you. Give us such prosperity as you know is good for us and make us abound in doing whatever is pleasing to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs>